Welcome to Book Blurbs. My name is Jeff Cloa, Associate Professor and Provost here at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And I'm here today with Dr. James Fells, who is longtime professor of the exegetical department and currently chair of the exegetical department at Concordia Seminary. And we're here to talk about his new book, Commentary on Mark, chapters 1-1 to 8-26. Jim, welcome, and congratulations Thanks. on the new book. Thank you very much. So, uh, Jim, tell me, uh, how long have you been working on uh, this commentary on the gospel according to Mark? How many decades, you mean? Uh, well, yeah. answer it however you like. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this is the culmination in many ways of study that begins with the study of Greek, so I wrote Fundamental Greek Grammar in the Middle 80s. And then the next step up when you're dealing with the Bible is principles of interpretation. So in the middle 90s, there is a hermeneutics book. What does this mean? And the logical sequence step then is you actually do it. The Greek, the principles of interpretation go about interpreting. So I've been thinking about this a long time and uh, I would have to say, to answer your question specifically, probably um, something like 20 years because in the International New Testament Society, Mark became a big issue with uh, hermeneutics, basic principles of interpretation. Mm -hmm. And it was explored hermeneutically. Well, that got me interested. And I had been interested all the way from the seminary uh, when I had Edgar Krentz, who was my professor in spring in the late 60s, who did a Gospel of Mark, and um, it was a great course. Everybody was interested in more historical matters. I got very interested in the literary and textual sure. side of it. Great, great. Yeah. So, um, uh, who is the commentary written for? I would say it's got a dual focus. It is written primarily for pastors. Mm -hmm. And I've got it set up. There's some special features we can talk about. I've got it set up so that people, pastors, who really want to keep going with their Greek and study the scriptures in depth can do that. It's also written for scholars. And so I have comparisons to Homer in there. I've got very detailed grammatical analyses. But I would say in the first instance, it is for the pastor who is using his Greek and really wants to get better at it and really wants to see the depth of the Gospel of Mark. Okay. Um, now, obviously, pastors will use uh, or preach from the Gospel of Mark in Series B, right. but there's a lot of material that's not covered in a lectionary uh, from Mark's Gospel. And so it might be helpful for pastors, for students of the Scriptures to read the commentary as a whole or read the Gospel as a whole what would you highlight as a key theme uh, that's, that's important in Mark's gospel that you might miss <clears throat> if you just do a pericope at a time? Right, that's a great question. Um, in fact, I would say it's one of the distinctives of this commentary. Almost all commentaries operate with the understanding that Mark is about walking in the way of the cross with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's certainly a theme. No one's going to say it's not a theme. But I think there's a bigger theme in that gospel, and I describe it in the whole introduction, and that is it is a matter of believing and seeing, the issue mm -hmm. of faith and sight. And it seems to me that the major theme of Mark's gospel is that you believe in order to see, not that you see in order to believe. Mm -hmm. And a key verse here 
is in 1532 when the Jewish leaders are at the foot of the cross right. and they say, the Christ, the King of Israel, let him come down now, hina idomen kai pistoisomen, in order that we may see and believe. And that is precisely what this gospel will not give you. Right. So Jesus does not. He does not come, come down. down. Right. And, right. and indeed, this is congruent with the ending at 16.8. 16, right. Because right. you don't have a vision of the risen Christ in this gospel. But what do you have in 16.7? The young man says to the women, right. he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. But now here's the important thing. Just, just as, as he told you, right. you have to believe the word in order to see. I mean, I would say, I would say, Jeff, that this is the most, from this point of view, is the most Lutheran of the Gospels because it really is about believing the Word. Hmm. It's about okay. believing the Word Trusting of the promise. promise yeah. The Word right. of promise. I know yeah. Luther thought that John was, was right. the greatest, but actually he should have paid a little bit more attention to Mark because it's about believing the promise. Okay, great. Um, now for this commentary, you did a couple, uh, I'll just say, Velzian sorts of things in that you uh, constructed your own Greek text. Right. You came up with your own translation of that Greek yes. text, which does not conform to any modern translations. You have some special formatting in mm -hmm. your translation to highlight certain features. Um, talk a little bit about right. the uniqueness of your <laughs> text work. Okay. Well, on the first point about the text, um, what I did back in um, about 03, I did an extensive study, and this was published in Novum Testamentum in 2005. I did an extensive study on the Greek of Mark, and I um, uh, focused on Codex Vaticanus, Codex B. But uh, the article that I published was the Greek of uh, Manuscript Vaticanus and the Greek of Mark. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I looked at the Greek of Mark across all manuscript traditions and tried to figure out, well, what's his style like? Mm -hmm. Then I saw that certain manuscripts, such as B and Aleph and Delta and C and so forth, L, um, actually approximated that better than most other manuscripts did. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of privileged those. That would be right. the way to say it. I privileged right. those. So you'll see that my text basically privileges those more than, let us say, the Nestle Allen text would do. Mm -hmm. What I think is going to be most important for pastors, though, is the second thing that you refer to. And that is, in the translation, I actually coded the translation to reflect features of the Greek text. Here's an example. If there's word order for emphasis, in my translation, I, would pu I put that in bold so that you know that this sentence actually emphasizes that part. If I am working on, let's say, the verbal aspect of the Greek verb and you're dealing with an imperfect which has something like begin to do or try to do, <clears throat> or infinitives or imperatives where it's dealing with verbal aspect and not time, I put those translations in italics to let the reader know mm -hmm. I'm kind of working the verb there, see? So I have a number of those features that are described in the introduction that should allow the pastor who's actually working with the Greek mm -hmm. to see 
if I could put it like this, let the underwear show to see, you know, where am I actually working the Greek of the text? And why is this not just the ESV? Okay, good, good. Now you also have uh, some features unique in this commentary series in some color plates at the back of the text. Right. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you have some images of coins. Right. Um, I, I kind of got interested about five years ago in New Testament coinage. Uh, through the good graces of Kevin Schumacher, who is a member of St. Paul's de Pere, where we go. And um, uh, I started collecting New Testament coins. And I've got a pretty decent collection now of ones that are specifically helpful for New Testament instruction, mm -hmm. which I use in the Gospels course, for example, right. here at the seminary. Well, I got those coins and some of Kevin's coins, and I put together an addendum on biblical coinage and uh, Concordia Publishing House was very good about this in uh, printing very high quality photos of these coins on um, photo color, uh, what would you call it, uh, quality paper, right, right. slick paper, uh, all in color with a, with a discourse about the coinage. For example, I have a, um, a shekel of tire which was undoubtedly what was part of the 30 pieces of silver mm. uh, because the Jews only allowed temple payments to be made with shekels of tire that were minted in Jerusalem because mm. they were 90% pure. So I have one that was minted in Jerusalem in 24 to 25 AD, which could have been, one, have of been one of them. Could have right. been one of them. Why not? Yeah. And then I also have a, a, a couple of uh, icons one of which was done specifically for this volume by Carol Baker at uh, Duke Divinity School, uh, who writes icons, that's the proper term right. for it. And there's a whole explanation of icon writing and it has the themes of St. Mark on it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so 1-1 one, one to 826, uh, why do you stop at 826? That is the end of uh, part three of the book and the final pericope or unit of text is the man that takes Jesus two tries to heal, two right. stages of healing. And that I, I think is a very important pericope. It only occurs in the Gospel of Mark right. and it's part of that seeing and not seeing sort of theme. So that was a good place to end and uh, second volume we'll pick up now and we'll get into the confession of uh, who Jesus is and the passion predictions. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, when might we expect the second half of Mark? Oh, well, um, it should be easier than the first half <laughs> because the first half of Mark has the introduction to the whole thing. Right. I, I want people to really realize that. It's got an introduction to the whole book. Mm -hmm. um, and I've already got done the textual work, the translation work, and so forth. And um, uh, so, so about if, 10 years, is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. So, so if you can put the quotes around this, you're, quote, just writing commentary. Yeah, right. But uh, that's yeah. where we are. I, you know, I'm hoping to do it in four to five years. Congratulations to Thanks. Jim Vels for his, uh, completing the first half of his commentary on Mark from Concordia Publishing House. Uh, highly recommended for use by pastors and scholars, and we look forward to continued work. And thank you for listening to book blurbs from Concordia Seminary.